Aloha and welcome to the Hawaii Reopening Consortium webinar. This is the sixth of a series of eight webinars happening every Tuesday. My name is Toby Tamai and I'm president of a local agency called AT Marketing and I voted. And my name is Sandy Santiago Norvez and I am the director of sales and marketing for the Ritz Carlton Residences Waikiki Beach and I also voted. This series is a collaboration between the Travel Industry Management International and the Scheidler College of Business Ad Administration Alumni Association. The idea of the series was born from a simple discussion that evolved into the realization of a need. We needed to hear from our leaders in our various industries. We needed them together, united, and we needed their help in determining our own plans to reopen successfully. But ultimately, this series is about what you need. So please, if you have any questions for our panelists, go ahead and drop them in our Q&A box. Our moderators will monitor your questions and select as many as possible to review at the end of our webinar. These webinars are offered at no cost by the two alumni associations. They are designed to stimulate ideas for solutions that can be implemented by key tourism leaders, large and small business owners, employees working in the tourism industry, college students studying in the travel industry or related fields and the general public. Topics include tourism, health, and safety, an update from airline and hotel industries, restarting businesses in retail and dining, and a special webinar focused on recovery of tourism from Japan. The goal of these seminars is to deliver information that can save small businesses, save jobs, and provide hope to attendees with positive and forward-thinking messages. Additionally, the Scheidler College of Business recently started a new virtual fundraising campaign called Scheidler Strong. Proceeds raised will help us to provide critical funds for our students and our programs and help us to perpetuate a legacy of excellence for the college. If Scheidler has touched your life or you are receiving value from these webinars, we encourage you to give what you can. No gift is too small and it helps us to move forward in creating a bright future for our community. Together, we can help keep Scheidler strong. Each of these seminars feature a UH Scheidler College of Business or Travel Industry Management restaurant that is owned or managed by an alumni. Today's restaurant is The Chef's Box by Waihata. The Chef's Box includes a variety of heat and eat chef prepared dishes that can be ordered and picked up on Wednesdays and Saturdays at Waihata, and they also deliver. I would also like to mention the producers behind this webinar today, Evan Leong, CEO of Brain Gain Hawaii, and Buddy Leong, Executive Director of Virtual Students Experiences. Now let's meet our moderators today. Both of our moderators today work in the retail industry and are the on the board of directors for the UH Scheidler College of Business Alumni Association. Masa Ito is a leasing representative and principal broker for Brookfield Properties Retail and is responsible for permanent leasing at Alamoana Center, Alamoana Center and Prince Cujillo Plaza in Hilo. Scott Raysack is the Chief Operating Officer of Jocor Distro. Welcome to the retail panel, gentlemen. Thank you, Sandy, for the introduction. I'm excited to be here uh, as part of the discussion today. We have a great lineup of speakers to address the current retail environment in regards to reopening to tourism. Yeah, wonderful to be here as well. Um, I want to introduce our first speaker, uh, Tina Yamaki. She's the president of the Retail Merchants of Hawaii. Tina is a lead advocate of the voice of the retail industry in government and the community. Retail Merchants of Hawaii membership consists of everyone from small locally owned retailers, national big box retailers, nonprofit resellers, luxury retailers to shopping center malls. She has been in the position since September 2016. Previously, Tina was the executive director of the Hawaii Lodging and Tourism Association. Tina is a graduate of the University of Hawaii 
at Manoa. And mahalo for being on the call today, Tina. Uh, with that, I'd like to turn it over to you. Aloha and thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Um, I'm a proud graduate, like I said, of the University of Hawaii. But let me give you some background about retail. So pre-COVID-19, retail was the nation's largest private sector employer, driving the US economy and supporting 52 million jobs in communities across the country. So that breaks down to about 21.6 thousand retail establishments in Hawaii. 27% of jobs in Hawaii are supported by the retail industry, which equates to about 247,000 jobs. And we also wanna note that $18.2 billion is what the total impact is on Hawaii's GDP here. And retail has been revolving over the past few years, um, mostly in part to customer demands. Customers were shopping more with emotions and wanted more meaningful purchases and experience and was more engaging and entertaining. Uh, retailers realized that old business models of only focusing on in-store and online products being sold was passe, and they started going beyond the traditional loyalty programs. Um, this is where retailtainment was born. This is where customer experience is one that is both enticing, enriching, and fun for the customer. What was once a traditional store now may feature a medical clinic, a bar with a big screen television to show sporting events, showcase demonstrations, offer services like facials and hairstyling while using products that they sell, have a DJ spin fabulous music, hold exclusive FOMO events, and more. And one of the retail's biggest problems um, in the beginning of, of this year was trying to find qualified employees to fill these positions. Then in March, everything kind of came to a screeching halt when COVID-19 came to Hawaii and everything changed. While retailers like grocery, home improvement, electronics, and drugstores were deemed essential and could remain open, the non-essential retailers had to close their doors first in March and then again on Oahu in August. So we recognize that Hawaii's retailers have been on the front line of the pandemic since the beginning and always maintained the health and safety of employees and customers. And that was always been our primary objective from distribution centers all the way into our brick and mortar stores. RMH has put together guidelines that included a checklist for retailers that were based on the National Retail Federation's recommendations that were developed in accordance with the CDC guidelines and benchmarked between leading retailers who have shared their operational experiences. And like so many businesses, retailers have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in personal protection equipment, from plastic sneeze guards between cashier and customers, hand sanitizers, face masks, social distancing markers, um, you know, and also wellness checks for the employees, just to name a few. And retailers who are normally competitors 365 days out of the year have been now learning from each other through this crisis and sharing best practices and protocols. Some got creative with their signage and showed proper ways to use a mask. You know, don't use it, put it on your head. Don't use it as a chin guard, but cover your nose and mouth. Others created characters or flowers to show safe distancing. Some customized the sense of their hand sanitizers to tropical smells and others created face masks with their logos and special designs. The first shutdown forced many retailers to alter their business plan to online sales because their stores were shut down and people couldn't go in there. So many had to update and expand their platform, upload hundreds of products and figure a way to maintain their inventory and inventory counts, as well as shipping logistics, especially those to foreign countries. More retailers made moves to leverage their stores as a distribution center to fill online orders. Retailers could not use professional photographers because they were deemed non-essential. So what they did was retailers learned how to style the shoots, take photos of their merchandise using employees as models and posting the photos on social media 
platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook stories, to name a few. They also showcase stories showing perfect outfits during COVID to work at home, exercise in, to lounge at home while binge watching shows or go on Zoom calls or where we're doing fun activities with the families. These stories were between five and 10 seconds long because anything longer than that, you lose the customer's interest. Retailers also did educational type videos on YouTube on how to make their products, showcase what the ingredients or materials or products came from on cooking demonstration and using products on how to put together styles. They did social media ads and emails saying, if you can't come to us, we can ship you the, our specials. And some even turned to creating, up, creating and upgrading an app for their store that went beyond buying online to sending custom messages, coupons, or product-related alerts straight to the customer's phones. Online sales allowed many businesses to stay afloat during the first shutdown, along with some PPP loans and grants. The second shutdown on Oahu hit retailers really hard as they were not allowed to sell online unless they were able to do this from home. RMH was presented, with, presented the city with guidelines for phone and online sales, but it was not accepted. And that's why online sales were not allowed. Um, and you know, help for businesses were scarce during the second um, shutdown and only county level help was available, but it was only for very small businesses. Hawaii's unemployment is at an all-time high and many people's salaries have been reduced or, or they are unemployed or their unemployment has run out. We're seeing that they have limited amount of funds to spend and shoppers are very price conscious and list shopping. Hawaii is heavily dependent on tourism and its major effect on retailers. It's the story of the $20 bill. You all know it. Visitors come to Hawaii and pay for their hotel room with their $20 bill. The hotel pays a front desk agent with a $20 bill. The front desk clerk takes that $20 bill and pays for a plate lunch. The lunch wagon owner takes a $20 bill and buys vegetables from the local farmer. The local farmer takes a $20 bill, pays the truck driver to deliver the vegetables to the market. The truck driver takes a $20 bill and buys shoes for his child. If there's no visitors, there's no $20 to be passed around to our local businesses. And with tourism basically shut down for seven months, there were no customers in the resort areas and retailers were not willing to open until tourism reopened. With tourism now reopened, some retailers are still unable to open. Many hotels statewide had not opened on October 15 and looking to open later in the month next year, or some are even unsure when they're gonna reopen. Majority of hotels have retail stores on their property. And when a hotel is closed, retail stores are also closed until the hotel decides to reopen. Other retailers with, are waiting for more tourists to arrive. We've heard of one company where on the second day, they had five customers come into the store. They didn't buy anything. They just had five people walk into the store. Um, and if they have multiple locations, they're opening only a few to test the waters. Holiday season is upon retailers and the new norm will be different this year. Retailers expecting lower growth than last year. It's predicted that one to 1.5% increase in total consumer spending from November to January. And Deloitte's annual holiday forecast predicts that seasonal online sales will grow between 25 to 35% as compared to last year at 14.7. CoreSight's poll last month showed that seven in 10 respondents says they're shifting from their spending from services to retail products because of COVID restrictions. Gift cards and electronics still top the list of holiday wants. And traditionally, Thanksgiving weekend, we all know is Black Friday, with doorbuster deals followed by more customers and all shopping online. But what we're going to see is that's going to change. Black Friday will not disappear, but be more, more into gray November, 
Black Friday deals have already begun in October and will continue through November. Many stores have opted to close on Thanksgiving. Items are on sale longer. Stores are limiting the number of customers because of um, state and city ordinances, or I mean orders. And door busting early morning 5 a.m. openings are going to be very few. E-commerce, curbside, and mobile usage are likely to explode. Buy online or BOPIS and only e-channels are trending this year now. Retail expect lines of customers waiting for store openings to be replaced by long queues of cars eagerly waiting to buy online pickup curbside purchases to be placed in their vehicles. According to Power Research Holiday Consumer Survey, 55% of consumers say they'll use curbside pickup more this year than they did last. At some point, ordering goods online at time for Christmas, usually around the 20 to the 24th of December, becomes a logic, logistical impossibility due to shipping. But this year, people can buy online and pick up at the store to complete their last minute shopping. The best holiday kept secret is that many stores in the resort areas are open on the 25th. So if you forget to buy somebody for that or a present for that significant other, you still have a chance. Um, and today, you know, retailers are facing our greatest challenge with many retailers in critical condition and the need of life support to survive. Every week we hear in the media of another known retailer permanently closing their doors or were not able to survive the pandemic. For the small mom and pop retailers closing, there will be no fanfare or media coverage. We encourage everyone to support local retailers or if ordering online and picking up in store. Stores in Hawaii provide jobs for many of our family and friends and neighbors. So please buy local. Mahalo. Thank you very much, Tina. That was a very informative uh, overview of the uh, retail industry. It sounds like now's the time to uh, try and find some of those deals from the, uh, the local retailers. Our uh, next speaker is Paul Kosasa. Uh, he's the CEO and president of ABC Stores. Paul is responsible for the real estate activities and general operations of the company. ABC Stores is a locally owned business founded by his parents, Sydney and Minnie Kosasa in 1949. He serves on a variety of boards, including Central Pacific Bank, Waikiki Business Improvement District, Hawaii Food Industry Association, and many others. Aloha, Pa, and welcome to the conversation. Thank you. So, hey, Tina, here, here's, your, here's your $20. <laughs> it goes a long way. Uh, <clears throat> first, I want to thank the Scheidler Alumni Association for putting this on. and. Uh, Especially a thank you to Waihata and the Chef Box because we are involved in the Chef Box and producing um, some of the goodies that go into that box. So uh, take advantage of it. Uh, it not only supports uh, Waihata and the local industry, it supports us too. Um, so as um, probably the audience may already be aware of ABC stores. Um, we're in ground zero of every resort area in, in Hawaii. <clears throat> um, we have 80 stores uh, and two restaurants. Um, and uh, pre-COVID, uh, you know, our business was uh, pretty healthy. I mean, tourism was experiencing a very strong year in 2019. Um, and as the year ended, we were looking forward to another repeat of uh, a great year. <clears throat> and then unfortunately, the, um, uh, the pandemic uh, happened. And um, the, at the end of March, uh, when the governor had instituted his 14-day quarantine uh, to all travelers, um, tourism basically had, had 
shut down completely. <clears throat> and um, for all of us where our, our butter is bread, our butter is uh, on the bread is from visitor spending, uh, it was a disaster. Um, we closed almost all our stores immediately, um, but then reopened a few uh, to serve our, our community uh, in the resort areas because there are residents that uh, live in and uh, still have work. Uh, and so um, <clears throat> even though we uh, opened some of those stores, uh, we were losing money. Every store loses money. Um, because it's when you're comparing um, the influx of visitors of 30,000 visitors per day uh, versus uh, probably our transactions were probably about 100 to 200 uh, customers per day. Um, you know, you can't, you can't make money on that. <laughs> uh, so that was the situation um, at the time. And uh, uh, and we always thought that this um, disease would you know, not be a long-term um, thing, that it would be just a couple months and then uh, we'll get back on our feet again. And uh, so, we, so we tried to plan on uh, reopening um, when the visitors started to come back. But uh, as you know, it, think plans change. So... What had happened was that the, the disease uh, infection rate started to continue. Um, the 14-day um, quarantine kept being extended uh, over and over again, um, and it didn't look like it did not look like it was going to be uh, um, back to normal. Um, <clears throat> and so there's a couple things that. Uh, uh, happen in that type of situation. Um, one is uh, the morale of our employees. You know, we we furloughed most of our employees, but tried to bring some of them back. Um, but as time goes on, uh, the morale starts to deteriorate uh, because you don't see any um, uh, so so-called light at the end of the tunnel. <clears throat> um, so my job primarily was to keep motivating our people in the stores that were open uh, and try to uh, explain to them to stay positive, you know, that uh, there is this time is only temporarily this uh, pandemic and that we should just focus on trying to uh, do the business that we can. Um, and that's a tough job. Uh, <clears throat> the second thing is that our suppliers are in the same situation as Tina had uh, mentioned. Um, you know, our suppliers and wholesalers, um, to give an example, they have orders uh, three to six months in advance. And these are containers of merchandise um, went from textiles to uh, woods to um, food items. Um, <clears throat> and so when the shutdown happened, our suppliers just had a ton of merchandise in their warehouses and they wouldn't, nobody was ordering it. The hotels had shut down, we had shut down. And so they are, um, they had all this inventory tied up. And the same for us in our stores. We had tremendous amount of inventory that uh, were sitting on the shelves and, and inventory is money. 
And so we try to run promotions, try to run specials, uh, but it was very, very difficult. Um, we ended up uh, disposing of um, products that seemingly would have one year expiration dates, but you know, after about six months, it's, it's too close. Uh, <clears throat> so we work with our suppliers and our partners to see what we can get um, to stay, uh, um, to minimize our expenses. Um, but it, it was pretty, it is to this day still brutal. Um, so there's the supply chain that became a problem. Um, <clears throat> you know, Tina also mentioned uh, um, some of the uh, situations in Waikiki that where there's homeless, the homeless population um, and crime uh, gets uh, more exacerbated. And so just, uh, I would say recently within the past month or so, um, as unemployment insurance uh, starts to thin out, um, people are getting desperate and we're seeing more crimes committed in our stores uh, to the extent that even our employees get threatened. Um, and so as this pandemic goes on, it's, it's gonna be, going to be rough. Uh, and, you know, people say to pivot and adapt to the new normal and, you know, those kinds of things. But in Hawaii, being on an island where we don't have uh, like the contiguous U.S. 48 states where people can travel freely, um, it, it's a difficult situation. Uh, to give an example, our Las Vegas stores are open. We have six stores in Las Vegas. Uh, Vegas, uh, <laughs> they, well, they just, um, they, their infection rates are, are not good, but they're, they're open. Um, <clears throat> and so those stores are performing okay. They're decent. Uh, we got all our employees back. They're all working. Um, businesses, uh, relatively good. Um, everybody's practicing social distancing. They're all wearing their masks. Um, and uh, hopefully we don't have any infections in, in our stores, but uh, so far so good. Uh, Hawaii, unfortunately, is a little different um, because of our island state. So um, the only thing that we could have done that we are doing, our online sales is, is good, it's healthy. Um, but it's such a small percentage compared to um, the rest of our chain. Like I said, we have 80 locations. We have 51 open right now. We have two restaurants. Uh, they're both open, Basalt and Lineage, Lineage being on Maui. Uh, that's a struggle too. Um, and particularly restaurant business, it is, it is brutal uh, because you have limited capacity. Um, and you only allowed five people uh, per per uh, dining um, uh, cluster, so it's uh, it's really difficult to do to make any money. So I I would say most or almost all restaurants are losing money. Uh, liquidity is the key. So how to survive for the rest of how long this thing goes is the, to the extent that you can convert your inventory to cash. Uh, 
And for many, many retailers, uh, time is running out. Um, I think there's only so much that you can do um, to stay liquid. Um, so we negotiate with our landlords, we negotiate with financial institutions to the extent that they uh, provide some um, forbearance uh, is good, but not all landlords are alike. Uh, some are um, seem to be out of touch with reality. They stay firm. Uh, they want all their rent as if it was uh, uh, pre-pandemic. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, for ABC stores, we are in the hospitality business. Um, that's what uh, made us, uh, makes us successful. Um, the visitor industry is an ecosystem where, as Tina had mentioned, as each visitor spends a dollar that goes into our cash register, it, it funds employment, it funds our taxes that we pay from that, funds public education, our healthcare systems, um, <clears throat> culture and arts, uh, construction, it, it funds everything. Um, and that's that's our major economy right now. And that's why we lobbied really hard with the governor to reopen tourism. And uh, it's, it's a trickle, um, but it's better than nothing. And hopefully this week or next week, I think the Japanese uh, reopens. We're not expecting um, anything uh, substantial, um, but it, it is something and it does provide a little bit of a morale boost. Um, so the, those are some of the challenges that we're faced with. Um, I feel for our fellow retailers and restaurants. Um, you just read about Alan Wong closing permanently. Uh, there's many more that will. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate because many of these um, merchants may not ever come back. Um, and so we have a big task ahead of us. Um, uh, my role is to make sure that we have enough liquidity to uh, stay afloat. Um, so far, so good. Um, we opened a few more stores as visitors came back. And um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the visitor count will increase. And I also keep my fingers crossed that our infection rates do not uh, get over 100. Um, I don't know if we can get into tier three, but Tier two uh, is a start, and uh, I hope that um, we can remain vigilant, uh, wear your masks, keep social distancing, um, <clears throat> sanitize, wash your hands. I think if everybody does their part, uh, then I think we at, le at least will have a good uh, slow recovery. Um, forecasting, you know, I don't think we get back to normal in, in a year. Uh, and maybe six months from now, we should be uh, maybe 50%. Uh, it depends on the hotel occupancies. Um, our decision in opening stores is based on hotel occupancies. If hotels can get up to the 30 to 50% occupancy rate, then uh, we would open a store, uh, reopen our store. Um, if not, probably our stores uh, that are closed will remain closed. Um, Thus far, we never closed, we haven't been able to, we haven't closed a store permanently so far. Um, so uh, I'll knock on wood that we don't. Um, so I wanna thank uh, 
I want to thank uh, the Shiler Alumni Association for uh, hosting this. And um, uh, I wish uh, the best of luck to all the people that are listening that if you're in a business that uh, you can make it through. So thank you. Thanks, Paul, for the overview there. Um, clearly, you know, as uh, any brand in Hawaii comes to mind for chain retail uh, for hospitality, ABC stores is one of those brands. Um, so we uh, have faith in your leadership and look forward to talking more about that in the panel discussions. Um, so moving on, um, our next speaker um, is Sam Shankus. Uh, Sham is the Vice President and Director of Marketing for Royal Hawaiian Center. Sam is responsible for strategic planning and implementation of marketing, advertising, social media, and um, promotional programs, as well as merchant, public, and community relations for the center. Sam has been with Royal Hawaiian Center since 2007. She also works on corporate marketing responsibilities for the shops at Wailea on Maui and River Oaks District in Houston, Texas. So thanks for joining us today, Sam. With that, you can go ahead and take it away. Okay. Aloha, everyone. Hello. Very nice to see you. Very good to be with you today. Uh, what I would like to cover is uh, go into some more detail on the COVID, the PPE protocols of the shopping center industry, and then go into um, some marketing pivots that the shopping center industry is doing here locally. We're going to start uh, the Hawaii Tourism Japan created a fabulous video targeting the Japanese market. And we're gonna take about two minutes of that video that showcase the shopping center industry, what we have been doing collectively for the health and safety of our customers. So do you wanna start with that video right now? Okay, so as you saw in that video, um, it's very, very important strategically 
for Hawaii that we project and instill in our visitors that they're safe. And so you notice in that video, uh, the social distancing, the signage, um, the shopping center industry, we have very, very high protocols where all high touch surfaces, elevator buttons, escalator rails, chairs, tables, and food courts, high traffic areas, high traffic touch points, they are wiped down and sanitized on an hourly basis. We have hand sanitizer, we have hand sanitation uh, stations all around our properties. And we have, it's called a sanitation mister. And we have those for large areas, particularly in our food courts and in large areas that you can hit large flooring. You have signage, you have decals, we have signage on the floors, we have signage on the furniture because currently people are not allowed to sit down on anything. So we also have signage on all of our furniture and that helps to remind the customer to distance and it also quite frankly helps the employees as they're going around the property. Food courts are very, very meticulously sanitized. After a customer leaves a table, the table and the chair are totally wiped down and sanitized. We also have learned that shopping centers need to have curbside pickup. We, have, we all have dedicated parking stalls that we have created for park and go, for shop and pick up. Uh, if you order online and you have a designated parking stall where you can drive in, pick up your item and quickly leave, our park and go stalls are reserved 24 seven and our security enforces them. Um, at Ala Moana, Roberts Hawaii has a new store to door program. Um, if you don't want to leave your home, uh, you can order through Roberts. They will pick up your item and they will bring it to you. Also, um, they have a, a spot holder app that they're testing where if you know you're gonna, there's going to be a line, you can go in and you can reserve a time to be in line. It's, a, it's, a, it's very similar to what Apple does, where you call and you make an appointment for your Apple Genius Bar and you have a designated time to go. But this app, it's many stores. Um, marketing is also very, very important as we're dealing with COVID and dealing with families customers, and particularly children. Halloween is a huge, huge event. And many of us in the shopping center industry, we felt it was very, very important to create fun, interactive, virtual, or safe in a car Halloween activities. 
So many shopping centers had virtual cakey costume contests. So you registered, you, you went online and you uploaded your pictures and there was judging and fun as a total virtual experience. At Royal Hawaiian Center on the 25th of October, we had coordinated 10 different costume characters, superheroes, fairy tale characters, and we lined them up on the sidewalk of Royal Hawaiian Avenue. And it was a drive-by. So people could come down, put their kids in the car with their costumes on and just have a family-friendly outing where you could drive into Waikiki, drive along Royal Hawaiian Avenue and see costume characters. We thought, well, maybe we'll get a couple hundred cars. We had over 800, maybe 900 cars with between 4 and 6 p.m. The cars were backed up all the way to where Kalakaua and Ala Moana Boulevard merge. And the, the families were so happy and the kids were so excited and it was safe. Everyone was in their car everyone drove by, but it was fun. At Pearl Ridge, they had a candy crawl on October the 30th, and 1,200 keiki were signed up for the candy crawl in two days. They had to top it at 1,200. And what they did, they had merchants who dressed up in costume and they stood in the parking lot and families just drove through the parking lot at Pearl Ridge, and it was a vehicle safe trick-or-treat event. So it was one of the things we saw, there was huge pent-up demand from parents who really wanted to do something joyful for Halloween with their children. Um, something else, it's not a shopping center, but it happened on Maui this past weekend. So Seabury Hall is the largest private school on Maui. And the students and the faculty put together a super duper haunted house on the grounds of Seabury Hall. Free, people could just drive through and experience this huge haunted house. Well, apparently there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars on the roads on Maui, all going to Seabury Hall. Uh, I was talking to someone who said that they got there an hour early. The wait to drive through it was two hours, but the family got through all of it. They wound up shutting down the haunted house uh, in the fourth hour because the roads on Maui were in gridlock with all these cars, all these families looking for a fun, festive experience that the family could share. So with that in mind, looking forward, Santa is coming. The holidays are coming. Um, how can you do that safely? Same thing um, as we get creative looking at virtual Santa opportunities, looking at maybe 
you have a Santa, but he's behind plexiglass, or he's on another area of the property and you're looking at a digital screen, or maybe you have Santa and holiday characters that are, maybe they're in a storefront with glass between you, or maybe you have them where they walk around the property with an escort, but there you don't have personal contact with them. Um, we're looking at virtual Christmas tree lighting. Uh, maybe you're on Facebook Live and you create a holiday event that people can enjoy on their phones and in their homes. So even looking at the holidays, um, the attitude is we have to create family-friendly activities. We want to offer our customers that do come to the property safe and friendly alternatives. And as you come to our property, um, if you are just going to take a carry out, if you do just want to grab and go, you can, and we're taking care of you. So that's a big picture overview on what we're doing with PPE and COVID and what some of the things that were done for Halloween, brainstorming for the upcoming holiday season. And thank you. Thank you so much, Sam. Yeah, it's great to hear about all the um, creative measures the uh, shopping centers are taking to appeal to the uh, local residents. Um, our next speaker is going to be Corey Beal. Uh, he's the president of the Beal Corporation, a retail real estate company specializing in development, leasing, and management of retail projects throughout the state of Hawaii. Uh, Beal Corporation has extensive resort retail leasing and management experience, including with the Outrigger Beach Walk, Shops at Manalani, Queens Marketplace, Coconut Marketplace, Koolina Station, and Princeville Center. Uh, we'll now hand it over to Corey to discuss the state of the retail commercial real estate market. Great. Welcome thanks, Masa. Thank you. Uh, thanks for that kind introduction. I appreciate it and appreciate being uh, invited onto this, this distinguished panel. Uh, sounds like I've got to update my website. You mentioned a couple of projects that we're, we're no, no longer on. Um, but wanted to start with a, a little, uh, little bit of information, more information on the Beal Corporation. Bear with me while I figure out how to share my screen. And Tina, sorry about dropping in on you. I'm a Zoom rookie here. Um, okay, so uh, like Masa said, we are a real estate property management and leasing company. Uh, we're Kaimaki based boutique firm. Uh, we specialize in retail real estate only. Um, and a good chunk of our business is resort retail. And uh, that's why Masa invited me here today, I believe. Um, we're, we're very active in Waikiki um, and also very active on all of the uh, major outer islands. Um, did I stop sharing my screen? Oh boy. Threw me off with the uh, new protocol. Sorry, gang. I need to figure out how to get to the next page. How do I do that, Masa? Um, yeah, we can see it now. Um, try use your arrows. Can you go to either next page or just click hey, right there? You go. Great tip. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, so quick shout out to my team. This is uh, the Beal Corporation, quite frankly. Um, we're a tight-knit group of, of professionals. Uh, we work closely together. We're committed to working as a team. 
and uh, I'm extremely proud and, and uh, appreciative of this group. Um, due to the shortage of time, I, um, I can't list everybody there. Sorry, guys, I didn't know about the arrows. Um, this is a quick snapshot of our book of business. I would just want to give you some context. Uh, you can see in the lower left that we are very active in Waikiki. We've got a pretty strong list of uh, high profile clients, including Outrigger Hilton, Highgate and Robertson. And we're active on all four major islands, even, even Molokai. Uh, we own a, a small building there. And we also own uh, Old Kaloa Town um, up in, uh, on Kauai and up in the upper part of the, the slide. And we'll talk a little bit about that. All told, we uh, have 30 properties that we either lease and or manage, mostly for others, some of those we own. Um, before I got into the outer islands, I wanted to share with you our market report. We put out a quarterly report uh, focused on Waikiki. And we started doing this in the first quarter of 2020, right before the, the pandemic. And I'm gonna share a couple of pages with you today. But if you'd like to take a look at that report, feel free to hit me up, email me, uh, and I'll get you a copy. Or you can always visit our website at uh, www.thebeelcorporation.com. Um, okay, so getting into that report, we, and I'm sorry, this is so small. Um, it, uh, it's a page from our report, uh, but you guys know Waikiki. This is Kalakaua Avenue. Uh, specifically, we track uh, 1.7 million square feet on Kalakaua, and that includes upper and lower floor space, so international marketplace, world wine, that sort of thing. Um, in our quarter one report, we reported a vacancy rate of 9%, and historically, that's an extremely high rate. Uh, quite, it's the highest rate I've seen in my career, and it's been creeping up. Uh, every year for the last couple of years. And it wasn't that long ago, um, Sam and Paul will both remember, uh, when there was no vacancy on Kalakaua Avenue and um, uh, tenants were actually paying premiums to be or key money to be on Kalakaua Avenue. Um, so what this tells, tells us, tells me anyway, that this market, although there's a lot of demand for it from tenants, is overdue for a rent correction. Although ten, uh, sales are strong, I, I just think in short, tenants, uh, landlords are, are asking too much rent at the moment. Okay, now we get into the third quarter. We just published this uh, last week, sent it out last week. Uh, you'll see in the upper left-hand corner that we've got a vacancy rate and an availability rate. Very, very similar numbers. Uh, some spaces are vacant but not available and some are available and not vacant. Um, so we use availability primarily 17%. Um, that's a staggering number. Uh, that, that should jump out at you. Um, you'll see in the, um, in the red box at the bottom, uh, that's 300,000 square feet of space that's available in, uh, on Kalakaua Avenue, uh, including upper and lower floors. It's 108 storefronts that are available, 80 of which are vacant, uh, 28 of which are, are, we know are available, but uh, still have a tenant in them. Um, in short, this market has been devastated as Paul can attest to, and I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be positive here, but I got to report the news. Um, outer Island situation is, is certainly no better, uh, slightly different than Waikiki, uh, significantly different than Waikiki in its, in its customer base. Uh, outer Islands, as most of you probably know, uh, do not get as many eastbound travelers, uh, and our um, tenant base is primarily uh, locally owned, owner-operator, mom-and-pop type tenants. Very little safety net, uh, highly reliant on um, their tenant sales to make money uh, at the risk of stating the obvious, um, which is directly tied to um, visitor arrivals. 
uh, and, and it is also directly tied to their ability to pay rent. Um, so I, I can share a little bit about Okaloa Town because uh, we own it. I can, I can give you some confidential information here um, as long as you promise not to share it with anybody. Um, this one we own, uh, pre-COVID, very healthy shopping center or, or retail environment, I, I prefer to say. It's a little cool little town if you haven't been there. 25,000 square feet. Um, Pre-COVID, we had a 10% vacancy rate, but that was really circumstantial, hard to lease space. Today, uh, eight of our 28 tenants uh, are open for business. And, and with that, uh, they are uh, limited hours and uh, have let go all their employees and are, for the most part, twiddling their thumbs, um, even though we did open a couple of weeks ago, uh, we haven't seen a substantial uptick in sales. Um, five of our tenants have let us know that they are permanently closing. Um, we expect more of those uh, to come forward pretty soon. Uh, so what we're left with is a 30% vacancy um, compared to 10%. Um, and we have exactly one tenant paying, paying full rent and that's the, uh, the gas station essential service. Um, so again, uh, the, the market has been devastated and that's where we're at. So. Uh, to be honest, we're in survival mode uh, as, as an industry. Um, government assistance programs have been very helpful. I would say particularly the PPP program, um, but also the SBA IDA loans and the city and county grants were all very helpful. We as a company took advantage of them. Most of our tenants did. All the banks I've been working with have been uh, pretty reasonable, I would say. And the, the landlord-tenant relationship uh, is going through the ultimate stress test. Um, we and as Paul attested to, there's a there's a range of of attitudes or positions about rent relief for tenants. Um, I can speak as a as a mom and pop landlord, if you will, that um, we are extremely empathetic to our tenants. Uh, we're realistic, I would say, and um, also value the relationships uh, that we have with these tenants and and are, are much more focused on the long term relationship with them and the exit here than than the here and now. Um, we did, we did something I think we're sharing uh, in the beginning of the pandemic when the PPP program came out uh, is we offered what we called a, a BOGO to, to all of our tenants. And we said, if you pay us, uh, if you pay us one month's rent, we'll, we'll waive one month's rent. We'll give you a two for one. So if, uh, if a tenant paid us May, May and June, we waived July and August. And if they paid May, June, July, uh, we waived August, September, October, uh, and that was very well received. Uh, it helped us tremendously um, in our cash position uh, to, to weather the storm and also was, was uh, very helpful to the tenants. Um, we're coming up on another round of that end of October was sort of a, you know, beginning of November was a new round of uh, rent relief conversations um, for us. And, and quite, quite frankly, I spend a lot of my day talking to tenants about rent relief. Um, so uh, recovery, I, 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 had a, I had a hard time with this page, to be honest with you. Um, when are we gonna recover? Uh, I, I would say it's highly dependent on the pandemic trajectory, both globally uh, and locally. Um, I think it bodes really well for us that our, our case count has been relatively low and Sam uh, touched on that. I think it's an excellent marketing opportunity, particularly to the eastbound travelers. Um, I'm gonna say summer 2021, I'm hopeful uh, we're gonna get back to um, some meaningful visitor numbers and therefore meaningful sales. Uh, Christmas season, uh, I, I'm hopeful, but not overly optimistic that we're, we're gonna be moving the needle, needle much. Um, we're using three years as a recovery timeframe 
uh, in, in primarily our, our tenant conversations, uh, we're building towards 100% of pre-COVID to three years, and I'm expecting a, um, a gradual increase to that. I agree with Paul's 50% next summer, hopefully. Um, I also think Outer Island is going to uh, recover quicker than Waikiki for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, uh, it's rural, more rural environments. Waikiki is a very urban environment, which is um, not in, in favor right now. <laughs> Uh, and they also, we've had very low ca uh, case counts on the outer islands, which bodes well for the outer islands. And um, they also have the support of the second, second home uh, extended stay market, which is, which is a pretty um, supportive component of their, their customer base. Um, so those are my thoughts. And I wanted to um, add a couple of thoughts about leasing uh, because that's, that's our role in the, uh, in the recovery effort. Um, so as leasing agents and, and landlords, um, it's our position that we need to accept this, my, my position that, that we need to accept that current market rent is zero. Um, that's to say, if you signed a lease with someone today, you, you probably uh, would be kidding yourself to think you're gonna get rent in November and December. Um, how long that plays out, I'm not too sure, but we are, um, uh, we are actually in the recovery mode um, in Kaloa town. And um, that, that actually uh, kind of skips to my next Point, which is there's a lot of opportunity that's going to that's going to come out of this. There, there's an awful lot of uh, turnkey spaces, lots of turnkey restaurants in Waikiki, Outer Island. We've we've got we've got a bunch of them to lease, and what we're doing with that is um, targeting those restaurants and tenants that that we um, that we think will do well in that environment, um, and going out and approaching them with the deal that we know we need to make in order to make that deal. So we're talking percentage rent only. Um, for a period of time, uh, short term in nature to, to mitigate against that. You know, we don't want to agree to that for a long term. Um, and we're, I'm also a big fan of uh, percentage rent converters. I don't want to get too real estate-y on you, as Masa asked. Um, but we basically are going to convert percentage rent to base rent as their sales increase, banks like that. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I got. That's my take. Um, again, appreciate the opportunity. And... Um, Look forward to the q and I know Moss has got some zinger, zinger questions for me, if I can figure out how to stop sharing my screen. So there we go. All right, Corey, thank you so much. Um, those insights were, were really uh, interesting, uh, especially on the centers that you have out of islands. Um, can't wait to hear the Q&A, so I appreciate that. Um, so our final speaker today is gonna be Melly James. Uh, Melly James is a co-founder at right. Mana Up. Uh, Mana Up is an initiative uh, to expand economic opportunity, business infrastructure, and higher wage jobs in Hawaii. Um, its six-month accelerator program enables Hawaii products entrepreneurs to scale their businesses globally. Mana Up operates a retail business, House of Mana Up, to connect people to local brands. Additionally, she is president of the Hawaii Venture Capital Association an organization that seeks to foster entrepreneurial development through education, networking, and access to capital. Aloha, Millie, and thanks uh, for joining us today. Go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, everyone. I'll jump right in as I know we're um, getting short on time. Um, so I'm Millie James, again, co-founder of Mana Up. I'm going to go through some slides. Um, you know, we represent about 51 companies that are all locally based here, and to kind of speak to Tina's point earlier on economic impact, um, we're big believers in 
you know, locally headquartered companies here that can create that economic impact with more dollars circulating. Uh, we know there's been big shifts with fewer tourists coming in, um, fewer dollars coming into the state. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to share more on what we're seeing some of our companies are doing, not only what they've learned in the pandemic, uh, but also how they're coming out of this um, as tourism reopens. So I will go ahead and share my screen. Okay, great. So let's present. Okay, can everyone see okay? Okay, hopefully that means yes. Yes. Okay, thanks. All right, so, um, you know, Mana Up at a Glance, um, we launched our economic development initiative and accelerator uh, back in 2018. Uh, we run a six month accelerator program helping local businesses um, grow and scale onto global markets. And these are some quick stats around the companies that we work with. Um, and then also looking a little bit at the economic impact. Um, 41 of our companies last year represented $38 million uh, to the state of Hawaii, about 325 jobs and about 700,000 exports and growing. So this is some of the criteria that we work with, uh, with our companies as I mentioned earlier. The Hawaii-based um, founder is and, and headquarters is super important. We, we work with consumer packaged goods companies um, that are elevating the brand of Hawaii. Um, they have to be at a certain revenue minimum um, and storytelling and the quality of the product are, are really, really impactful and big. So you guys may recognize some of these Hawaii companies, Hawaiian Pie Co, Manoa Chocolate, amongst others. But this gives a nice representation of some of the um, perspective that I'll be coming from as I go through some of these slides that about 50% of our companies are value-add food products, non-perishable. Uh, and then we've got fashion, home, and health and beauty. So um, we work with Sam and Monty and everyone at the Royal Hawaiian Festival. Uh, and to, you know, to Corey's point earlier, we've been very grateful for our relationship with our landlords um, and get, getting very creative with marketing. We we're actually in the video Sam shared earlier. Um, and you know, we, we opened in 2019 our House of Mana Up store at the Royal Hawaiian on the ground floor uh, across from Tiffany. Uh, and then of course had to subsequently shut down in, in March. Um, and these are just a few picture, uh, pictures of, of what the store looked like. Um, you know, these are, things were going very well, really around storytelling, around the entrepreneurs. Um, and we had to shift to e-commerce. And, you know, with that, getting really creative around how do we do media marketing partnerships, joint, joint social media campaign. You know, we hadn't really been online and many of our companies prior to COVID had, had way more emphasis on retail, especially in tourist industries. And those were the companies that got hit extra hard. So some of them are almost starting from scratch to be building up their email marketing, um, to be getting more established in Instagram, as well as Facebook and other online. And I would say that regardless of tourism coming back, um, e-commerce and digital marketing direct to consumer is really leveling the playing field for a lot of our companies here where you can be anywhere. Um, and we don't have to have people physically come into the store as the only place for them to discover these products um, and, these, and these stores. And so as retail starts to shift and we opened our doors for our store about two weeks ago at the Royal, um, things are picking up a little bit. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're glad that we can be back open. Um, but we're also seeing there's a huge opportunity 
with direct to consumer and that power that we have that even when someone's in the store, they're opening up their phone. They're in two seconds going onto Facebook or Instagram researching the company. You know, what do they Nelly? stand for? Nelly, yes. Sorry, this is Masa. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, we've gotten uh, a couple of reports that the screen's not advancing. Would you be able oh, okay. to try to go into the presentation mode? And then I'll, I'll let you know if it's moving. Okay, let's get out of the presentation mode. Yeah, or if, or if on the, uh, the Google Doc, you go to present, I think that'll make it a full screen. Okay, hold on a second. Um, all right. Yeah, let's... it's stuck on the uh, first page. Oh, is it? Okay, thank you. Let's see, can you, I'm gonna stop screen share for a second. Okay, is that better? Is that gone? Yep, the yep, we see your desktop. Yeah, it looks good, it looks good. Right. Should I just keep it like that and don't do full present mode? Or should I go into, is that still? Yeah, showing? try the present mode, that should be good. Is that showing everything? Yep, we're good now. Yep, okay. looks good. So um, this are just more visuals as to what I was talking about, um, just mana up at a glance, our accelerator uh, criteria, some of our companies, um, which you can now see the logos as well as um, our House of Mana Up retail location and that we opened in 2019. And here's just some fun photos of, of the inside of the store, which again, really grateful for our great relationship with Festival and the World Hawaiian and Kamehameha Schools. So as I mentioned, uh, we shifted gears um, to e-com when we had to shut our doors in March. Um, and I'm gonna be sharing some of our lessons learned um, with e-commerce tools um, and also couldn't implore more as we were reopening tourism that that e-commerce and digit and direct to consumer digital marketing are not knee jerk reactions just to COVID. Um, I think these are these are tactics that we should have been implementing the whole time. We should have had way more presence online as again, this does level the playing field. And I think this will be a strategy for future proofing more of our businesses here in the islands um, that we can perhaps even double sales when retail comes back and now you've got much more presence online. Um, that's some of the possible silver lining around uh, what we've learned and what I hope many other companies have learned during this time. So um, just some, and I know this is being recorded, so I may go a little fast, but you guys can always go back um, with these slides. Um, so obviously Facebook is a huge must, um, you know, kind of looking here as to what you should be sharing, how many times a week, we think two or three times a week on Facebook, Instagram is a different story, but these are really, really powerful ways of not only sharing new promotions with what you're doing, sales, um, but also sharing who you are. Uh, this Instagram for business is very important too. This is beyond just regular Instagram and I, I couldn't um, uh, emphasize more why this is important to get on the Instagram for business. Um, Instagram for business, you should be posting a lot more. Um, and, and again, this is how people, even in the store, you're seeing them on their phone, they're looking up who you are. Uh, millennials are four times more likely to buy now from a micro brand than a legacy brand. Those are all things that are really shifting the playing field for a lot of our local businesses here as um, in the past it had all been about legacy companies and that's not the case anymore. So people wanna know who you are and help them figure that out quickly as they're making these purchasing decisions or even making them later once they discover your product in the store or online. Um, these are some ways to optimize your Instagram, um, whether that be creating more of a compelling bio, researching hashtags, um, and those things that could be more um, essential. Typography is a great uh, free app that really helps with, uh, with um, photos and other things that, that we really like using. Um, like I was saying earlier, narrative and storytelling is huge 
to, to tell your story. And, and these are some great examples of what are the kinds of things you can be sharing. You know, what was your mission when you started the company? How are your products different? What's your why? Um, different stories like that, that really resonate with people, especially now as there are a lot more people that aren't as um, in social situations. So they're really looking to online to, to get behind company and, and really understand what, what they're about. So this is an example of, of storytelling. This is um, Aloha Modern, our, one of our cohort five companies. And this is just a, this is a little bit much um, for just the average product, but it's a great sample of, of story and, and, why, and how it can be incredibly important. Um, here's some other essentials around product photography, um, looking at lighting angles, the background, you know, this is an example of, you know, which, which one do you think looks better? And it's pretty obvious here, but if you, you just took a shot of your product and then, you know, you can see really the difference in what the care you need to put behind those things. Um, playing with composition, aspirational, more lifestyle photos. So how people can use the products, um, more of that Hawaii lifestyle, people are missing that. Um, how do we keep Hawaii front of mind um, and stay connected? Uh, these are all important. More kind of behind the scenes. So this is Manoa Chocolate making their chocolate over in Kailua. So plan, that's a great social media planning tool. We use this all the time. I, I, I also really recommend this. It's great to be organized for scheduling. Um, as you start to post more, uh, it becomes a little bit overwhelming to try to just do it like, oh, I should post today. Um, it gets a little bit beyond that. So the, this is a great tool um, to use. Uh, we use Shopify for our platform. They're one of our partners. Uh, and we, we also heavily recommend Shopify as many of these apps. Um, are on the Shopify platform and literally can help you make, make money in your sleep. Klaviyo is another great um, email marketing campaign. This is kind of like um, MailChimp on crack. So with MailChimp, you're just kind of sending emails. With Klaviyo, they become flows based on how someone's engaged with you on your, um, on your website. Um, or they're purchasing, we may have an open cart. All these things are very different. And so what Clavio does is understands and puts them into a flow based on what they've done in your site. Um, and it makes it a lot more custom or feels a lot more custom and ideally creates that action that you're trying to create um, for that person. Uh, here are some other kind of things that we've learned around our House of Mana Up is, you know, keeping it, make it personal. Um, and then this is something else we did in February, we went to Japan, right when COVID was like just starting to become a real thing. Um, we went there to open up some doors in Japan with uh, Prince Hotels, Natural Lawson's, Lawson, Lawson convenience stores, um, as well as many others uh, to open up doors for more of our local products to, to come into the country. Um, so I'll stop sharing my screen now. And um, yeah, so I'm, we're excited to you know, answer some questions. Uh, but also, you know, happy to share also about any other tools and things that we've learned along the way. So thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks so much, Melly. Yeah, it's great to hear about some of the resources that are out there um, uh, to help some of the retailers to kind of enhance their e-commerce platform and get the, uh, the customer touch points. And uh, thank you all to, uh, to all of our speakers for sharing the uh, informational updates on the retail environment today. Um, next up is our panel discussion. We'll be asking questions in the same order as we presented today. Um, if I could have all of the um, panelists turn their videos on. Uh, if you could then please um, limit your answers to um, just under two minutes so we can get through a handful of questions. And we do have a couple of uh, audience questions um, we'd like to get to as well. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and start then with uh, Tina. 
our first question to you is the retail industry has been one of the Hawaii success stories in creating safe retail environments for employees and shoppers. Does the industry have a set of infection rate tiers similar to how public schools have implemented here? And um, will that eventually allow retailers to lift restrictions or what's the other uh, way ahead there? You know, it's, it's not, unfortunately, it's not up to the retailers to lift the restrictions or decide um, what the occupancy is. It's, you know, up to the counties and the state right now. And it's right now we're, especially on Oahu, you know, I think we're in the second tier. We're still at the 50% mark right now, um, you know, and, and we get it. Um, you know, there have been hot spots, but it's never, ever been knock on wood, um, you know, in the retail industry. Yes, we've had employees who've had COVID, but we've shut our retails down. We cleaned up everything, you know, we made it safe. We let everybody know about it. And, you know, we let customers and our employees back into a safe environment. Thank you for that, Tina. Mm -hmm. um, our next question is for Paul. Uh, Paul, what advice would you give to retail owners and operators to lead their teams during these challenging times? <laughs> wow. Tell them that the sun always rises in the morning. <laughs> uh, if that doesn't happen, oh boy, we're in big trouble. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think um, it's, it's hard to be creative. I think Melly gave some really good tips um, that uh, if you're a retailer and you have a unique product or products, then you can um, uh, go online and try e-commerce uh, to try to sell your products. Um, <clears throat> other than that, uh, if your business, if you're in the resort, industry it's pretty tough because you need the visitors to as your customers that's your revenue generator if you're in a local market then it's it's a matter of combining some marketing uh, savvy with with curbside pickup um and uh online sales um do you got to do some promotions uh using social media platforms uh to drive customers to your your store um and of course uh have a great attitude you have to be friendly, you have to, uh, <clears throat> you may have mailing lists or, or uh, email lists that you can use to encourage customers to come in and mm -hmm. shop. Um, and of course, negotiate with your landlord, negotiate with your financial institutions. Uh, just tell them that, you know, you just need a little bit of, of, of space, a little um, um forbearance just to get you through until this pandemic thing slow, slows mm -hmm. down. Uh, if they can just have a little bit of faith in you, then you will pay dividends back to them. So that'd be my advice. Thank you. Our next question is for Sam. This question was actually submitted by a uh, 2021 executive MBA candidate at the Shadow College of Business. Our name is Michelle Ota. So for Sam, following the lead of grocery stores, Will retailers consider special hours for high-risk individuals or for travelers, such as how uh, Foodland Farms and Whole Foods has like the Kapuna hours? Is there do, do any individual retailers offer anything like that? Well, um, it depends on your property. Like here at Royal Hawaiian Center, the only essential retailer we have is Paul. We have an ABC store that is essential because he has food. But what we do, many of our stores 
make appointments. So if, if you, for example, you want to go into Kate Spade or, or if you go Apple already does it. Um, but many of our stores, you can make an appointment and they will make sure that at the appointed time, you have a dedicated salesperson and they stay with you and you can get all the service that you need. I would love to have lines of people like you see at the grocery store. That would be awesome. But we don't have that level of retail, but we do VIP appointments. We do buy appointments shopping and it's very popular. One thing I'll throw in real quick, our luxury stores uh, have been doing good, steady business, not where they were, but one of the reasons for that is that you do have a, a higher income luxury customer. They're not doing anything. They're not traveling. They're not really going anywhere. And so they will come in and do some shopping because it's convenient. And again, that VIP personal service that they get. Thanks, Sam. Our next question is for Corey Beal. Uh, this is from Robert Field, a 2021 executive MBA candidate. With increasing pressure from online retailers, what should local retailers be doing to adapt to the current environment? Uh, well, there's there's the obvious things. Uh, embrace social media for sure. Uh, you got to be on social media from a marketing component. And to an extent, uh, you need to be omni-channel these days and have a selling pre presence on um, online. But uh, I would say that that is, is much less applicable to resort retail. Um, you know, uh, Paul mentioned in his in his first report that, you know, he is a very small percentage of sales online. That makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a foot traffic business and um, you know, that's where the bulk of resort retailers business comes from. So yes, you, you need to adapt and, and be online. Uh, I would also say you need to be highly promotional um, and have something to advertise uh, so that you uh, are, it's, it doesn't just get lost in the cloud and give people reason to come. That goes for landlords as well. Um, we, la we, the landlords in uh, resort retail settings, um, are, uh, we really should be um, creating promotions uh, that we can then advertise on online and, and take advantage of, of the online opportunity. Um, Coconut Marketplace, which we work with Paul on, we have a, a drive-in movie uh, every Friday and it's, it's very, very popular and we get a lot of hits on it on Instagram and Facebook. So. Great. Um, and Corey, actually, uh, we got a, one question from the audience that I, that, um, was uh, addressed to you. Um, and I'll actually break this up into a couple parts because it's a handful of questions. Um, and the question is, do you see Hawaii well positioned to have a better recovery than the continent due to our relatively low COVID rates? That's a ridiculous question. Is that Dolan? No, just kidding. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, it, it's a great marketing angle for us. We have an opportunity to protect our, our, our border with the, with the airport. I think it would be very easy for us to implement rapid testing at the airport, both ends of the airport. You, that also would apply to sporting events and, and concerts and whatnot when we get closer to that reality. Um, but yeah, I think we've got a tremendous opportunity, especially as it relates to the, the eastbound travelers who that's, they're, they're, they're very sensitive to that. Um, and I think that that's a real big marketing opportunity for us is to um, promote that at number one and, and also make it a reality. We've got to be real careful about our, our, our case count. Got it. And um, 
because there are a couple portions of this, I, I thought um, maybe Tina or Sam could um, could address this part. What can Hawaii do now to be better positioned to be considered a safe destination? Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, it isn't what we're gonna do now, it's what we have to do consistently for months is keep our counts down, stay, um, get into tier four and hopefully get out of a tier and where the, the local community, the people that come here, they're respectful, they wear the mask, they socially distance, they follow the rules and we really have to for months really work hard at controlling COVID. That's what we have to do. And you see it on the mainland with these huge breakouts. Uh, one of the challenges, you have asymptomatic younger people. They're in their 20s and their 30s. They don't know that they're sick. And they're just going out and they're spreading COVID to their friends, their family members, and all of that. So we really have to consistently for months and months and months until there's a vaccine we have to be very, very careful and follow the rules. Yeah, it sounds like um, communicating the safety and those procedures that are being implemented is as important as the actual safety that's being implemented. Oh yeah, that came up real quick. That came up with the governor and the mayors where there's people walking in Waikiki and they're not wearing a mask and why aren't they wearing a mask? And so, and that's, it's, Communication is critical and we probably need to do a better job. In the shopping centers, you have to wear a mask. Security will nicely come up to you and tell you, please put one on. But on the sidewalks, we all have to work on it together. All right, and um, for my portion, uh, my last question is for Melly. Um, you're also the president of the Hawaii Venture Capital Association. Um, have there been any recent startups in retail that have impressed you, um, or are there any trends and new businesses happening? Thanks. Um, I would say, you know, a few of the startups I mentioned in my earlier presentation, um, but other ones would be more around direct-to-consumer or data. So that would be online marketplaces like Thrive or mm -hmm. Fair or Fashwire. Uh, some of them aren't quite really startups anymore, but we're really seeing the trend in these marketplaces, curated places that also come along um, with data um, that in the past, especially in retail, had been a dark space where a lot of the vendors had no idea where their sales were going or things like that that could help them make better decision-making uh, around marketing as well. Great. Thank you. All right, Scott, I'll hand it over to you for, for round two. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Masa. Um, so this question, uh, Tina, is for you. Um, we've heard that this year the holiday shipping needs will be a historic high. What do retailers need to do to ensure that they can ship products in time? And will there be an opportunity for in-store shopping in December since there could be possible shipping issues? You know, I think that's a great question. And, you know, like I said, we are seeing a lot more people buying online and either, you know, wanting to have it shipped to their home or, you know, they can pick it up at the store. We also know that with um, Young Brothers, they've increased um, shipping to the neighbor islands at least almost up to 50%. So that's going to have an impact not only on the neighbor islands, but on Oahu too. 
Um, so it's, it's ordering, you know, if you're going to order online, order early to make sure that you get it in time um, or order mm -hmm. online and pick it up at the store. That's the best thing to do right now. Yeah, great. Um, I'd also like to remind all the uh, retailers out there in e-commerce land, uh, Chinese New Year, don't forget that's coming up too. And that could also uh, shift your uh, production uh, quite a bit as we move through the new year. Um, so thank you, Tina. Moving on to Paul. Paul, this question is from Kimmy Straub, uh, Executive MBA 2021. Um, you mentioned briefly uh, earlier in the presentation about supply chain. Um, Kimmy wants to know, Will supply chain disruption lead to more locally produced goods on the market? Um, if so, uh, can you elaborate on that? Uh, I hope so. Um, particularly in agriculture, uh, there's um, local farms that uh, produce uh, incredibly good uh, products, produce, fruits. Um, uh, when the when the uh, visitor industry shut down, the hotels, the restaurants all shut down. Uh, the farmers were in a kind of a dilemma in that they had all this product, which, uh, <clears throat> you know, they, they needed uh, something to, they needed people to buy it. Um, <clears throat> so they were got creative and they uh, started having these uh, food boxes or produce boxes, fruit boxes that they could sell to, to directly to the consumer. Um, if um, the if we can get more land dedicated to agriculture and more people, more people interested in farming, uh, I think that's a great thing to for our community that we can have a sustainable, uh, at least approaching a sustainable uh, source of food um, to to our population here, and the restaurants and the retailers and and the hotels. Um, if they would buy more from them, if they have the capacity, uh, that would be a terrific supply chain because then you lower the fossil fuel uh, footprint uh, also. Uh, we import a lot of stuff. Um, and and uh, I think it's uh, important that we find ways as far as diversifying our economy to uh, locally source more products. And, and, and I think Melly's uh, Mana Up company uh, plays an important role in providing um, startup capital for, for many of these uh, entrepreneurs that can do that. Great. Thanks, Paul. Um, Sam, uh, this question is for you. Uh, there have been many changes to shopping centers this year. Uh, what is the most positive permanent change that will always be a part of the Royal Hawaiian Center identity in the future? You know, it's funny and it's not, 2020 is the 40th anniversary of the Royal Hawaiian Center. We opened in 1980. And I think one of the things, um, it had been there, but it really evolved. Um, once we were able to open back up in, in May, but even before that, um, you know, walking the center, talking with the merchants, talking with the restaurants on the carryout business they were doing. Then as retail opened up, um, it sounds corny, but it, the, it, our communications with each other continued to get better and to evolve as it, working with the merchants, trying to help as it related to rent relief, working with the merchants with PPE, 
getting curbside set up, you know, all those different things. So it's kind of like um, we've been here and going forward um, that we can serve both locals and we can serve visitors and we can kind of treasure our culture, our Hawaiian culture and make sure that we stay committed to hospitality because we're in Waikiki. Great, uh, thank you. Yeah, definitely great insights there, Sam. Um, I, I just got an audience question in um, and, and this one is uh, directed at Paul. Um, so Paul, uh, audience member wants to know, what do you recommend tenants who have multiple leases with various landlords do uh, when they negotiate? Do you have any tips? I think this is pretty useful. <laughs> well, if you stop paying rent, you'll get the attention of the landlord. <laughs> uh, so my challenge has been, uh, and my recommendation is to try to talk to ownership. So I know Sam, you know, it's been a little difficult working at Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center, but I did get relief from Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center, but I, I had to talk to ownership. Mm -hmm. which means there's a property manager typically and that's Sam's group. Um, and, but many, there are many landlords that are willing to work things out uh, with their tenants because they don't want a tenant to go away and go in dark space, right? Because that's, that doesn't do them any good. They don't get any money. <clears throat> so it's in their best interest to try to find ways like Corey did in working with the tenants. Um, and, you could uh, you have to be a little careful and um, and the careful part is it, it's confidential. So mm. uh, if you have multiple locations, you have to make the landlord feel comfortable that whatever they're doing for you doesn't get out because landlords want to, you know, they're doing it for you, right? So um, and they may not do it for others. Um, so it, it takes a lot of work. Uh, just like Corey, most of my time is spent working with, with uh, landlords. And um, for the most part, uh, if you get to have a conversation with them, uh, it takes a little time. They, they will do something. They will do something. Okay, great. Thanks, Paul. Um, and uh, we're going to continue. We've got two more questions here. This one's directed at Corey. Um, Corey, are there any existing retail trends that may have been accelerated because of the pandemic? Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, um, I know we're quick on time, so I'll answer that quickly. The, the short answer is yes, starting with uh, weaker tenants or exposed tenants pre-COVID closing. You know, that's, that's the first one is going into the pandemic, that's accelerating their closing and, and operators that are, are ready to retire. Um, and um, inferior locations are definitely trends that are accelerated by pre-COVID. I would say that Alan Wong um, has a terrible location. Um, it's on the third floor and, and he survived up there based on his merits for, for much longer than I would have thought. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of things, especially in the restaurant business, um, takeout, delivery, um, ordering online, um, Let's see, adding deli counters, uh, drive-throughs are, you know, they were coveted before pre-COVID. Pre All these things were, coronavirus has made them even more valuable. Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, 
absolutely we're, we're talking about an accelerator of trends that were already happening for the for the most part except for maybe wearing masks and sanitizer stations i think i think it's mostly pre pre-covid trends sure sure okay uh, last question here goes to uh, Melly. Uh, Mana Up is hosting a global online broadcast to support Hawaii's up and coming entrepreneurs on November 20th. Can you give some audience insights into this uh, and elaborate a little bit? Yeah. So um, we normally host a huge event at DFS. And as many of you guys heard, DFS is uh, closing its doors uh, for the time being. Um, and so, you know, with a little bit of that silver lining, we thought, well, why should we host? be limited to hosting a thousand person event at DFS where people had to physically be here to experience and learn about our entrepreneurs and new stories about Hawaii. And so how do we utilize this to create a global stage for Hawaii and bring Hawaii to the world? How do we keep Hawaii front of mind? Um, keep Hawaii, um, you know, that we're bigger, badder, better than ever. And to keep us in mind um, for, for, for near future uh, visitor and, and tourism. So I'm actually going to share my screen for a moment. I know we're tight on time, but um share a short video. It's very short, I promise. And this gives a nice little snapshot of the event. And the sound should come on in a second. Connect live with entrepreneurs who are bringing Hawaii to the world. Join us at the Mana Up Showcase, presented live from the Hawaii Theater. Hawaii's rising entrepreneurs present their passion. I saw it as an opportunity and I took it. Mana Up Showcase, Friday, November 20th. So that's it. Um, hope, we hope you can join us. It's going to be televised on KHON as well as live stream on Hawaiian Airlines, Kings Hawaiian, our channel, Hawaii Theater. So we're excited to be, oh, sorry, bringing Hawaii to the world. So thank you. Okay, thanks very much for that. Um, definitely engaging conversation today. And I was certainly able to get a lot of information out of that. So thank you to all the uh, panelists. Uh, Masa, over to you. Yep, yeah, thanks for, uh, again, everybody. Uh, if we could ask you to um, turn your cameras off now and we're gonna send it back to uh, Toby and Sandy for uh, the parting remarks. And thanks to everybody for attending. Toby, what are you eating? Is that Fred Black? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? This is the charcoal pandasa, part of the chef box that you can order from basalt. Keep calm with it. Black oh bread. Oh, that looks delicious. I'll definitely have to check that out in the chef's box by Waihata website, or um, I'll follow their Instagram at the chef's box, at the chef's box. <laughs> I think it's time we put that aside and welcome everyone back. Thank you for your questions. They were on point and exactly what we needed to hear. Yes, they were. As we mentioned, these free webinars are brought to you by the University of Hawaii, Shiloh College of Business and the Travel Industry Management Alumni Associations. If you've been enjoying any of these webinars, please consider giving a donation to our college's Shiloh Strong campaign at shilohhawaii.edu strong. 
Now, if you would like to rewatch any part of this webinar, a recording will be posted online at scheidler.hawaii.edu slash reopening tourism. You will also find all our previous webinars there. Please feel free to share your, our videos with others who you think will get informational value from these webinars. Registration for our next webinar impacts in the restaurant and food industry will begin tomorrow morning. It'll be next Tuesday from 1130 to 1. Our speakers are from the Hawaii Restaurant Association, TS Restaurants, owner of Duke's, Hawaii, Duke's Waikiki Hula Grill, Russell Hata, and our food spotlight will be on Chef Peter Merriman and Chris Kajoka. You'll receive email and registration information shortly. Thank you to our panelists for sharing your guidance and providing us with hope as we move forward through this time together. And thank you to all those in attendance. We appreciate your questions and all that you are doing to reopen our economy safely. See you next week.